What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to Caesar and the Wise Guy podcast. This is episode 14, and this is Caesar. And this is the Wise Guy over here. Hey, yo. Yeah, and the NBA season is over. As you know, Lakers are the 2020 NBA champs. So, congratulations to them. We'll jump yeah. into that. Also, should Anthony Davis have been suspended for game six after hitting Jake Crowder? Plenty to talk about with football, starting with Dak Prescott's devastating injury. Mahomes is looking more human against the Raiders. Also, the questionable fourth quarter to call on Vikings versus Seahawks, coronavirus rescheduling, and a lot of other things. Finally, we're down to four teams in baseball. Mike the Wise Guy and I will debate something about the Houston Astros, so stay tuned towards the end of the show to hear what we have to say about that. And by the way, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and any other platform out there. And also, if you have any questions, things you want to know about us, suggestions, or comments, we can read and answer them on this show. So just email those to Caesar at Caesar and the Wise Guy. And now let's set this off. Yes, sir. Let's set it off. Okay. So for some and one today, basketball and to not so much surprise by now, the Lakers beat the Heat in game six of the finals, giving LA its 17th franchise championship. I just want to personally give a shout out to Commissioner Adam Silver. He should be running for office. Seriously. (laughs) Over three months of basketball, over a hundred and 70 games played and zero positive coronavirus tests. Wow. And he made the bubble happen with Disney. Yeah, man. This was no easy environment to play in for any of the teams given the circumstances. And they did a really good job setting it up. The Lakers won 106 to 93 in game six. LeBron and Anthony Davis led the way winning the championship in the bubble. LeBron won finals MVP winning his fourth championship ring and fourth finals MVP at the age of 35. And for anyone who said that this was an easy path for the Lakers, this was a new environment. This was no easy path for anybody that was there in the bubble. There were no fans, no family, no friends. They were playing through a pandemic fighting for social injustice issues. This wasn't easy for anybody again. The Lakers just happened to come out on top at the end. You also have to give it to the Heat. I must say, Jimmy Butler certainly made a name for himself. Yeah, for sure. Come 2021, man, he's just going to be looked at as a new superstar or the latest superstar for sure. Absolutely. He's put a name for himself as one of the elite basketball players. He was my MVP. I don't care what anyone says. He was a true soldier out there. Who knows how far the Lakers would have gone without the likes of the entire duo that they had. LeBron and Anthony Davis led the Lakers four games to two against the Heat. Some would even agree that Anthony Davis was the MVP at times in the series. Some would even argue that he shouldn't even have played in the series at all at one point, and maybe that that would have made a difference. I'm just saying, if Davis was suspended in game six for intentionally slapping Jay Crowder or something like he should have been, then there would have probably have been a game seven is all I'm saying. I'm not saying the Lakers would have lost or anything like that, but maybe it just would have made it a little bit more interesting. That's all. Yeah, but I disagree. I mean, you said he should have been. I I definitely have to disagree (laughs) with you there. I'm going to side with actually what uh, the Golden State Warrior, your favorite player, Draymond Green. He basically said, as far as the idea of suspending Anthony Davis for game six, he said basically that it's whack. And Okay, um, okay, okay, okay. 
take a step back real quick here, Caesar. Now, first of all, you and I both know I do not like Draymond Green. He is not my favorite player. Do not let our followers even think that for a moment. <laughs> Second, he did not just say that's whack. <laughs> let our followers right. know exactly what Draymond said. If you're well, gonna if you're gonna tell okay. our followers what Draymond said, do you have his quote what he said? Like well, it was really just a short tweet. I mean, he said, Why suspend someone and decide the season? That's what he said. Is, is that what he said exactly? Yeah, and I agree with him. I mean, yeah, Draymond should have never even been suspended himself back in 2016 in game five of the finals. And just like Anthony Davis in this case, I think that the league learned from that. And I'm pretty sure that came into play with this decision. I know I honestly feel that they should just let him play. And there's a reason why the league reviewed this specific play and determined that it's not enough to suspend him. Okay, I disagree with you completely. Now, he said, why suspend somebody and decide the season? How could you decide the season for somebody? It was a dirty play. And because it was the Lakers, nobody saw it. The excuse is that there were limited camera angles and it's unclear. Come on, man. It's the NBA. You have to look at all the camera angles. Well, did he clearly smack him in the face? Maybe he caught a little bit of his neck. I don't know. But is it the right call to actually remove one of the most dynamic players from the most important game in the 2020 finals? No, hell no. I mean, yeah, if AD was suspended, that decision would be lingering forever. And if the Lakers actually lost the finals because of it, then yeah, it would create a total outrage. I mean, we're already tired of seeing riots this year in 2020. I mean, why do you want to start another riot, especially in LA? I mean, have you heard of the LA riots? I mean, we don't want like <laughs> truck truck drivers being pulled down and beat up pretty much. So the NBA oh, really it, doesn't, okay. It has to be an even playing field. You can't turn your head to something like that just because it's AD and the Lakers and a LeBron-led team. I, but, on, you know, I, but I think the NBA doesn't want to deal with this, but that's deciding not to suspend them just saves them huge headache from reporters and fans. And Yeah, but there was no suspension, no fine, no flagrant. It wasn't even a common foul. <laughs> We're looking at some camera angles where he literally elbowed him to the face intentionally, and even if it wasn't the face and the neck, you can even see that he intentionally pushed off and it was at least a common foul. He got nothing. They just turned their heads to it. Anyway, yeah, let nah, us know yeah. what you think. <laughs> let us yeah. know if you agree with Caesar or the wise guy. Should Anthony Davis have been suspended game six? Would it have made a big difference? That would have been he... a reach for the NBA if they'd suspended and that's a big reach right there. But that's my <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> also, basketball season is over, but keep following Caesar and the wise guy for some draft updates, all kinds of off-season drama. Let's move on to some NFL Week 5 topics because we have some more drama for you. The first topic was a little bit of a teardropper. Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, he got carted off the field and was in tears. Ended up with a compound fracture and dislocated right ankle. You don't want to see this happen to anybody, especially Dak. He's one of the good ones in the game. What really kind of stinks is he was having a great year. He was having some of the most pass attempts in the game, throwing for some of the most yards. It just sucks because he was on a franchise tag and he was in line for a huge contract. Who knows now if this is going to affect that major payday. There's so many questions now that are up. Yeah. No one really knows. And it was actually difficult to watch that injury. It always reminds me of watching Joe Theismann knee injury back when he was with the Redskins. That happened in 1985. That one ended his career, which eventually was voted the most shocking moment in history on an ESPN poll. So for those who are squirmish, do not Google that. It's actually a lot worse than Dax. Dax was definitely shocking as well, though. And he was actually, like 
you were just saying, having a career year. It didn't look like the Cowboys were keeping him. That could actually be very well his last play in the Cowboys uniform. What hurts is that he never got that fat contract like you were just explaining. And I really think Jerry Jones needs to buy him like a nice mansion for what happened <laughs> or some type of compensation. And I was also looking forward to our segment that we have called Dak Stats by the end yeah. of the season. So Yeah, can't make fun of Dak right now, can we? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, listen, when one window closes, another one opens sometimes because we discussed the possibility in an earlier past episode, even though Washington lost really badly, I was kind of overwhelmed with joy to see Alex Smith actually come in and complete his first pass or even a pass at all, to tell you the mm-hmm. truth. Some thought he would lose his leg. Some thought he would lose his life. The man had 17 surgeries and he returned to play after two years. Just a true testament to dedication, that paying off and being dedicated to your craft. Even Obama came out on social media to show support for the man. I really couldn't believe that I was actually seeing him come out and play this game. He was really there. It was really happening. And even though he only threw for 38 yards and had a horrible game and got sacked by Aaron Donald, but he Mm -hmm. went out there and he actually did it. So if there's a comeback player of the year award, it goes to him. Mm -hmm. I agree. And infections are no joke, man. He, like you said, he probably saved his life and at least his leg for the most part. And you know, of course, me being a 49ers fan, seeing Alex Smith drafted pretty much as the next Montana at the time, he was the number one pick overall back in 2005. You know, I did see him go through a lot of rough beginnings and all you Niner fans out there remember the classic 2010-2011 divisional playoff versus Drew Brees and the Saints in Candlestick Park. That bootleg run for a touchdown at the end was his most signature moment of his career. And then, then seeing him eventually going down the way he did with the Redskins, nine times out of 10, that's a career ending injury. And especially this late into his career, it shows his determination. I really just wish he had more support in the offensive line, but hey, you can't really blame the Rams with Aaron Donald. And it's actually interesting to see how his incredible comeback story continues this year. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree. Moving on, it appears that Brady's age qualities are catching up to him and starting to shine through as he's starting to forget the number of downs he has in a drive. Personally, I say give the guy a break. All people, when they become that old, they start getting forgetful. Him and his coach shouldn't play it off. Coach Arian said, and I quote, he knew, end quote, when it was apparent he had forgotten what down it was, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really think that Brady feels since he's won so many Super Bowl championships that he's afforded himself to be in denial and think that it's perfectly normal. I mean, talk about having it all in the NFL. And I actually saw the interview, basically a yes or no question, and Brady skated around it. He was asked clearly whether he knew it was fourth down. And it's clear as day that he forgot it was fourth down. In a way, he gets a pass, like you were saying, because yeah, he's 43. And But does anyone, as far as old school heads out there, remember that family show Double Dare? I mean, I actually grew up on that in the <laughs> 80s. The 80s version. I love that oh, show. <laughs> hosted by uh, Mark Summers. You guys remember that? But Some of you remember. But remember when the contestants would take the physical challenge and they always ended up with slime on their head, right? Well, just imagine Tom Brady was slime on his head and then he's asked if he's got any slime on his head and then he says no. I mean, that's how obvious it was in this case. I know not a not a good comparison, but you know, also denial is not just a river in Egypt, Miss Brady. <laughs>
You didn't get that, folks? The Nile, <laughs> meaning the Nile River? Well, anyways. <laughs> that was funny. Listen, uh, there was a really big win for Derek Carr and the Raiders, beating the Chiefs 40-32, to giving the Chiefs their first loss of the season. I just think Carr was the better player than Mahomes truly that day. This week marks the first time Patrick Mahomes has lost an NFL game by more than seven points. And I think Derek Carr listened to our podcast last week. I kind of called him out when I was quoting <laughs> Possibly. him. I was quoting him about him saying he was sick and tired of losing. And I suggested that maybe he should let Marcus Mariota start the game if they want to give him a chance to win. And somehow I actually had a feeling he was going to play great the way he did. And it was actually strange to see Mahomes drop back and throw passes that would normally get completed and they were batted down. So Mahomes, he actually admitted after the game that he needs to work on executing the scripted plays versus just running around and making some awesome plays out of nothing. And as far as my NFL fantasy team, goes, I cannot just start Clyde Edward Hedler anymore because Pat Mahomes, he's just a pass ball hog. I mean, all you out there who have Hilaire know what I'm talking about. Every time Pat Mahomes would be dropping back on first and second down, come on, hand the you mean, ball off for once. You can use a hand off the ball. Anyways. You mean you're but, still not thanking me for giving him to you in uh, fantasy? I, I, do, I thank you for week one. That's what I thank you for. <laughs> but it was a That's, good wake up call for the Chiefs, man. It was a great win for the Las Vegas Raiders and it's really what the doctor ordered for them. So That's hilarious. Listen, Cs, I want to discuss the Seahawks and Vikings game with you because Zimmer's decision to go for it on fourth down brings a little disagreement between you and I. And I don't know, maybe our followers want to let us know what they think and maybe they can help us settle this disagreement. What do you think, bro? Let's go for it. Okay. So I'm going to recap. The Vikings were in the lead 26 to 21 and had fourth and one. It was even less than a yard at the Seattle six yard line. Okay. So we say it's a yard, but it was even like a half a yard. Okay. The outcome was running back. Madison was stopped after going for it. Russell Wilson went about 94 yards down the field to score and win the entire game. Now, do I agree with coach Zimmer's decision to go for it and win the game? Yes, I absolutely do. Yeah, I have to disagree with you. I mean, Don Zimmer, he really should have just settled down for the field goal. I mean, this would have put his team up by eight points. Obviously, it's easier to say that in hindsight. Going for it was really predicated off the fact that it was almost a slam dunk that Russell Wilson was going to score a touchdown no matter what. Okay, all right, let's give him that. But the two-point conversion is a whole different story. Russell Wilson, he basically has to do it again like a touchdown part two. The only difference is that part two is worth two points. I really feel, I mean, it's coming from a coaching standpoint, from a point of fear. They're fearing Russell Wilson tying up the game, taking it to overtime. And why are they even thinking that far ahead. One play at a time, right? Get the touchdown first, even though they expected Wilson to make a final drive. I mean, first we have to see it. I mean, what if there was a deflected interception? More importantly, like I just said, let's see that two-point conversion. It's crazy to think that far ahead. Wilson imposed that much fear into the coach. That's why it was a wrong decision in my opinion. See, I completely disagree with you. Yes, kicking a field goal puts them up by eight points, but then Russ has to have a game-winning drive and two-point conversion, and that would actually probably have 
happen given the season he's having and the Vikings defense at this point. And when he gets the ball back in overtime and wins the game, all Zimmer is thinking is, gosh, why didn't I just go for it on fourth and one? All I needed was a, a yard. And they had already ran the ball for 201 yards. All they needed was a yard or less to convert and actually win the game okay. and not just put them in a position like that. Actually, if you look at the numbers, statistically, the numbers doesn't give them any more of a chance to win the game by kicking the field goal and putting them up by eight points than it does to go for it less than a yard, statistically. I get get it. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings deservedly got stuff for trying to go for it. They couldn't even gain that yard. I mean, yes, it was a shame. And all of a sudden, the Seahawks reclaimed their Legion of Boom status under one play. I mean, give me a break. And the fact that they knew for sure he was making that two-point conversion, like I said, that's very fearful. And that's actually props to Russell Wilson as well. And the Seahawks fed off that wrong decision. They were salivating on that. The final answer is fate itself proved that it was a wrong decision because you saw what happened. And you're wrong. It wasn't fear. It was confidence in the run. And if you can rewind and do it again, he would do the same thing again. Fear and confidence. We've heard that one before. (laughs) We could go on and on about this thing. (laughs) Well, let's let our followers tune in and see what they think. (laughs) Well, moving on. I've already said it in the last episode. How many gaps and bye weeks can actually be filled until the season is disrupted, Sees About nine teams now are already being affected and have postponements and rescheduling due to positive COVID-19 tests. Facilities are closing and new changes in protocols calls are constantly being enforced to prevent the spread of this outbreak. I don't know what's going to happen next. Every day is something new. What do you have to say about all this? Yeah, and I'd like to extend on what you just said. I'd like to really comment on what Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos, said during a Zoom meeting when he was talking about the coronavirus. He said, in a weird way, I'm kind of happy to see some of this stuff happen because you see who the whiners are and who cannot handle adversity. Then he says, I'm going to try hard that the Denver Broncos don't fall into any of those categories. See, this is where I personally personally do not see it that way. I actually see this as an NFL's way to keep everybody in line. The fact is players and coaches are not even allowed to truly question anything because they know their jobs are on the line. Contracts are involved and obvious ridicule from the media imposing as soon as there's any stand-up opinion. It's just like the NFL likes it. They love to keep things under control, not give anybody a true voice. Don't question anything because we know what happens when players who develop a voice, they're no longer in the league. And I'm not just going to sit here and claim that this is all pure fabrication because, you know, people aren't ready to hear that either way. All I'm simply saying is that all this is in shambles just from observing what's going on recently. The phrase, let me just emphasize this phrase, the phrase, we're just keeping everybody safe. This has been a term used for thousands of years to coordinate people when it's really just manipulation, right? You want to be told you're safe to get everybody to go along to what you want to do. The NFL loves to claim that they are doing the right thing. But since when has taking Roger Goodell's words for his actions been the right thing? As if there hasn't been a trail of indicators already. And one player, I want to talk about this as well. One player who stiffed things out is a quarterback for the Titans, Ryan Tannehill. He says this, definitely the fact that we had guys with no symptoms testing positive, and then we had guys with full-blown symptoms getting consecutive negative tests on multiple days, and it's really eye-opening. He says this as well. He says, we really don't know, really probably lost some faith in the testing system just through everything we've been through. And I just want to highlight the words, don't know. The entire pandemic protocols have been conducted by not knowing. So of course, the best way to handle things when not knowing enough is just to play it extremely safe as possible, just in case. Always a solution to anything in life. You don't want to 
wreck your car, then don't drive at all, right? Don't get out on the street. You're never going to wreck your car. Well, this can get complicated when it comes to sports and football because now you get decisions stemming from anxiety instead of well-researched safety. And I think seeing how the virus actually works for the last eight months, we know more now today than how we actually portray it. This isn't the month of March anymore, but you wouldn't know it sometimes. And I'll conclude by saying that the rescheduling of these games have been more strategic instead of creative. They would like to give the fans the impression of being creative and safe. And really, it's these people who are controlling this. They're finding ways to make their lucrative earnings. They're going to get paid regardless of what happens. Absolutely. (laughs) And you see how many viewers are still watching football every time there's a game on. So exactly, everybody's going to get paid. But let's uh, keep moving on and move right into some baseball. Yeah. <laughs> there has been a lot of good play so far in Major League Baseball Championship Series. We know the Dodgers and Braves of the National League Championship Series is exciting. Just want to say it was weird, I guess, to hear fans cheering in the stands. It's a good thing. Yeah! <laughs> Like real fans. Yeah, they were limited, but after this pandemic of a season, I guess I needed to hear it and see it. Now, on the AL side of things, we have the Rays and the cheating Astros, who it's not looking too good for. Now, I'm not one of those people who want to see a Dodgers Astros rematch in the World Series. And I wouldn't mind <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing the Dodgers. I don't care who really goes, the Dodgers or the Braves. I mean, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. So, I mean, I'd like to see the Dodgers, kind of, and I guess I have to cheer for a certain team, and as a Yankees fan, it already hurts my mind, body, and soul that we got eliminated in the wild card game by the Rays, and now we have to cheer for them, because they're playing the cheating Astros, and no Yankee fan in their right mind wants to even see the Astros in the playoffs in general. So... No, that's I, I get kind of just how it is. Yeah. And here's what I want to know. I'm just curious. I think we should talk about this. Do you think more people should forgive the Houston Astros after making the American League Championship Series this year? And also, if say they just made it to the World Series, would that even mean anything for them? And if they actually would have won the World Series, would that even earn some respect back after the training I a, scandal? I have a better question for you. Since we do this show together, do you think more people who do shows together should actually open their ears and listen to each other? <laughs> Given of what I just stated to you. Okay, okay, all right. (laughs) Now, listen to me. Everything about the Astros makes me sick to my stomach, sees. The players received no punishment. They ruined the game of baseball. It doesn't even make me want to keep up with the ALCS because they advanced. Altuve, Correa, Bregman, Springer, all those players that represent the Astros... (laughs) It makes me disgusted to even I, watch I get, them swing a right, bat and be on the field. I, I get you're disgusted, but you know, whether you like it or not, at some point, I believe, I'm just saying this, I'm throwing it out there in, in general, in people's lives, they really have to start easing some pressure off their foot to the Astros' throats. I mean, yeah, what they did in 2017 was really wrong. And most definitely, I was cheering for them in 2017 and cheering against them in 2019, even before mm-hmm. the scandal broke out. But right. I'm willing to go as far as to say, yeah, the Dodgers should have won in 2017 due to the yes. Astros cheating. So I'm not yes. I'm not implying that I should, you know, people should root for them. The Dodgers as much as, should actually have that championship. Uh, okay, I get because it. But as much cheating. Right. And it uh, so as a baseball it. fan in general, yeah. I think their 2017 title is fake. 
Now, I'm going to ask you as a Giants fan this year, okay? Because the Astros are a sub-500 team without cheating. (laughs) And and they've made it this far. How do you feel about that as a Giants fan now? I really feel that, of course, it should be my Giants out there. Okay, I actually wish it was them playing. But I feel that at least the Astros making it at least this far this year should earn them maybe just a little more respect. They defeated the Twins. I know the Twins were pretty easy to beat, but they really gave a great series versus the Oakland A's. Yeah, the A's are not really good in the playoffs. I know their batting averages were down when people were comparing, oh, look, their averages are down this year. That's because they're not cheating anymore. Bats usually get hot in June, and this is kind of like June for them. Maybe they should take a little less criticism. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but let's say they did win the World Series. Would people forgive them more? Would it be anything different? That's what I want to know. I know it's still fresh in people's minds. And also we have to realize these same teammates, you know, Correa, Bregman, Altuve, Guriel, I know I'm missing some other people right now. Springer. Springer. They won't stick together for a long time. So one of the biggest offenders of the cheating scandal was actually Marwin Gonzalez. He was actually part of the 2017 Astros. He now plays for the Minnesota Twins. So Marwin Gonzalez was actually one of the biggest offenders of the stolen digital signs. Actually did some research behind this. So now just because he's on another team, he gets to skate away and allow people to forget him basically. Now what if every single player involved in the cheating scandal split apart into different teams next year? Should they still be looked at as a cheating strolls? The manager's already gone. Bench coach, general manager, if the players are no longer there, at some point we would have to, you know, eventually kind of ease off of this. And I know it sounds crazy to say, but we have to accept that baseball will never suspend these players because Rob Manfred and company, their whole pitch to obtain this secret information about cheating, it was really predicated on the fact that they were going to be granted immunity. They were assured they weren't going to be punished by the league for speaking out. Baseball would have received many lawsuits from the players in look, that case. Look, bro, I hear what you're saying, but even if there was something like the Mitchell report kind of a thing that came out. The Astros would always be the main story and forever the team that cheated. They won it all in a season where they broke the rules and they will always forever be remembered for that. Their season is tainted for that and so is their organization and also about the players that may not be there in a certain amount of years like Altuve or Correa or Bregman or Springer and they may not always be there and the players that aren't there right now that were there in 2017. Well, you know, I say this to this day, the owner, Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, he'll be around and he got on stage on training camp this season and he said he didn't think sign stealing impacted games. Well, that shows no remorse. I say that to him. And you know what? Don't get me wrong. I don't like the Red Sox. (laughs) I'm a Yankee fan to the heart. I'm born in the Bronx. One of the first words out of my mouth were, I don't like the Boston Red Sox, okay? But that's just baseball rivalry. But the Astros, they're just playing. Plain old <laughs> cheaters, man. <laughs> no, I, I and I get you, and you're right about the owner. That was not a good look. I can't really blame you on that. But I, I maybe I'm just looking at this from a broader spectrum. I know because I see I see it this way. I, I see this entire thing has to do with how Major League Baseball botched it. They knew some of this stuff was occurring while it was happening back in 2017. They were trying to push this underneath the rug, and actually the accountability also has to be on a commissioner. Everyone's saying 100 on the whole entire Astros organization. We know. 
probably some other teams did it. And I really see maybe five, 10 years more of the complete story coming out. That's why I'm not really ready to sit here and say, hey, let's keep our foot on the Astros' throats. I mean, I see this kind of further down the line. That's all I'm saying. I want our followers to uh, comment and let us know what they think. And I'm also very surprised that one of my best friends and my partners in crime and <laughs> sees, because first he wants PED users in the Hall of Fame and he wants cheaters in the Hall of Fame. And now he wants... <laughs> Uh, the cheating Astros to be forgiven. So I'm really feeling heartbroken over here and I want our followers to really feel for the wise guy over here and let us know what you think. But listen, we've really enjoyed doing this episode for you. We've really enjoyed going back and forth. We're going to keep giving you the sports buzz that you need, giving you the drama and sports that comes along every week. Keep following Caesar and the wise guy on any platform that you have. Follow us on social media for any updates. And stay tuned for the next episode. See ya!